Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 18th of November. This is David, and your other readers are Susan and Mark. The editor this week is Mark. All the members of Team 5. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring, Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. This week's headlines. Hearts, SEND, systemic failings. Coroner criticises road safety. And launch of an out-of-this-world garden project. These and other stories now follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Susan. Too many Hertfordshire children with special educational needs and disabilities, SCND, are waiting too long for their needs to be assessed and for provision to be put in place, inspectors have found. The team of inspectors from Ofsted and the Care Quality Commission have identified widespread and or systemic failings in the provision of SEND services in Hertfordshire, their scrutiny of education, social care and health provision in the county. They say this leads to significant concerns about the experiences and outcomes of children and young people with SEND. And they have told the local area partnership, which includes NHS and the County Council, that it must address these urgently. Their report, published on Friday, November the 10th, highlights a catalogue of issues, including delays in the EHCP process and a shortage of specialist education places. It also points to delays in ASD and ADHD diagnosis, as well as long wait times to access speech and language services. Officials from Hertfordshire County Council and the Hearts and West Essex Integrated Care Board are now drawing up an action plan to address key areas which will be submitted to Ofsted and the CQC next month. Dame Christine Lenahan has been appointed as, the in, as an independent chair to oversee the delivery of the plan. Leader of the County Council, Councillor Richard Roberts, said that the partnership, which includes the County Council and the Hearts and West Essex Integrated Care Board, accepts the inspection findings. He said, parents of children with special educational needs absolutely need confidence in the local authority the health service and the educational services they receive. And he says they are now taking urgent action with an improvement journey that he says is already underway. We accept the findings of the report and recognise too many children and young people with SEND and their families have not received the support they need and deserve, he said. We're all across the whole partnership sorry for this and are taking urgent action to address the priority actions and areas for improvement. According to the inspector's report, too many children and young people going through EHCP assessment experience significant delays in receiving their final plan and too many of those plans are poor quality. It points to errors, sometimes not corrected within plans, that can lack precision and clarity 
and typically do not capture the voice or experience of the child. And it says work to improve systems and processes to support more effective EHC planning and review has been too slow. The report points to a significant number of parents who feel they have no alternative but to educate their child at home while waiting for suitable provision and to a shortage of specialist education. It also raises concerns about the rate of exclusions of children with EHCPs. Hello, this is Mark, continuing that story. In response, Councillor Roberts stresses that even before the inspection, the local authority had been putting in additional funds to the EHCP process, including five million this year. And he points to an additional 560 special school places that have been created in the past four years, as well as plans for a further 300. The report also highlights significant variation in the timeliness of health assessments, particularly for ASD and ADHD. It acknowledges that investment in this has been made, but that the impact is yet to be felt by families and practitioners. In response, Elliot Howard-Jones from the Hearts and West Essex ICB points to growth in demand and increasing complexity. He puts this increase down in part to the pandemic and also down to a greater awareness of neurodiversity. He says that he is disappointed that children are having to wait as long as they do, with some waiting in excess of 78 weeks. And he says there has been significant ongoing investment in a bid to bring waiting times down, with ongoing work looking at how data and technology could be better used. We recognise that people wait too long and we want to bring those waiting times down, he said. Nevertheless, overall, the inspector's report suggests that action to address issues relating to SEND in the, in the county has not been taken quickly enough. And it says, partnership leaders have not acted with the necessary urgency to address long-standing, systematic and significant weaknesses in the systems and processes to improve the provision for children and young people with SEND and support for their families. It goes on to say that leaders have identified the main issues that need to be tackled, but it says their evaluation underestimates the scale of the significant weaknesses that exist and the impact this is having on children and young people with SEND and their families often over a prolonged period of time. Among the positives highlighted by the inspectors are the new governance structure and improvements in the information available to support practitioners. It highlights the partnership's close working with the Hertfordshire Parent Carer Forum, HCPI, the provision of carers' advice and guidance with leaders being proactive in creating links with employers. It highlights the work of the Public Health Nursing Team and SENDIASS with families and the commissioning of alternative provision to enable schools to intervene and reduce the risk of exclusion. And it says that once children and young people with SEND meet the threshold for support from the intensive family support and social care teams, 
the care is of a high quality. A coroner says the council must act after the death of a cyclist in Kauros near Tring. Jakes Howell, Harts County's assistant coroner, has said road users could be at risk because heavy goods vehicles are allowed to stop and unload on the A4251 Tring Road. Birkenstead cyclist David Andrews, aged 63, died at St George's Hospital in London on July 12, 2022, after a crash on the route the day before. After an inquest which took place earlier this year, the assistant coroner issued a Prevention of Future Deaths report. The inquest received evidence that heavy goods vehicles frequently park on the southbound carriageway in order to unload, and witnesses have described this as an accident waiting to happen, Mr Howell wrote. Evidence was also received from the forensic collision investigator who gave evidence that in his view the current ability for heavy goods vehicles to lawfully stop outside the commercial premises to unload represents an ongoing risk. He added, Mr Andrews was a keen cyclist and had keen interest in cycling for about 10 years. On July the 11th, 2022, he was cycling southbound along the 4251 Tring Road when, where he collided with a stationary heavy goods vehicle which had stopped outside commercial premises waiting to unload. Sadly, he suffered significant traumatic injuries from which he did not recover and he died on July the 12th, 2022 at St George's Hospital. According to the report, the stationary HGV involved was stopped as far to the left as possible, but it still took up nearly all of the southbound carriageway, which bends to the right at this point. The assistant coroner said, In my opinion, action should be taken to prevent future deaths, and I believe your organisation have the power to take such action. Hart's counsel confirmed it had responded to Mr Howell. A spokesperson said, in light of the issues highlighted by the coroner's report, we're looking to introduce a ban on lorries unloading and loading on this stretch of the A4251. We hope to begin the statutory consultation process needed to introduce these restrictions in the near future. A project to create a planet-themed garden has been launched by leaders and experts in decorum. Decorum Borough Council and Sunnyside Rural Trust, which has been growing the council's bedding plants since 2012, are planning to transform land in Highfield into a biodiverse garden. Its planet theme will link in with the road names in the area, including Saturn Way, Jupiter Drive and Martian Avenue. The council-owned site off Redbourne Road will be turned into a circular garden with paths, seating, wildflower planting and seasonal perennial beds. The scheme is part of the Council's Housing Transformation and Improvement Project. In its reviewing all its housing green spaces and looking to identify further sites to develop in the borough. Housing portfolio holder Councillor Simi Diani said 
Our aim is to create a wonderful amenity space for local residents to enjoy the creative and first-of-its-kind planet-themed landscape in town. We are identifying further sites across the borough and look forward to creating more themed gardens across Decorum. It was lovely to visit the area and do the first dig at the site before the work begins and I'm looking forward to seeing it completed. Sunnyside Rural Trust CEO Keely Siddiqui Charlik added, We're so grateful to the council for putting their faith in us to design and create the Planet Garden. To see our team beautifying our community and challenging the perception of what people with learning disabilities can do is amazing. We hope the residents and wider community enjoy it for many years. Sunnyside supports young people and adults with learning disabilities to build their confidence, independence and find work. The charity has three sites across Decorum selling the plants and produce they make, vegetable boxes, barista coffee and homemade food from their cafes. On Wednesday, November the 29th, the Council is holding its first Housing Open Day from 3pm to 7pm at the Forum in Hemel Hempstead. Proposed designs for more neighbourhood gardens will be showcased at the event where visitors can provide feedback. More food bank parcels were handed out in decorum this summer than any other since at least 2018, new figures show. The Trussell Trust, which helps run more than 1,500 food banks across the UK, has described the soaring need for essentials as extremely alarming. Figures from the charity show 4,791 emergency food parcels were handed out between April and September across seven food banks in decorum. This is almost a rise of 500 parcels during the same period a year before and the highest figure since local figures were first made available in 2018. Across the UK, a record of nearly 1.5 million parcels were distributed, 200,000 more than in the summer of 2022. These figures cover parcels handed out by the charity itself, but do not include emergency food supplies provided by other organisations. Trust Chief Executive Emma Revy said, An increasing number of children are growing up in families facing hunger, forced to turn to food banks to survive. A generation is growing up believing that it's normal to see a food bank in every community. This is not right. The Trust's figures show 1,922 of this food parcels in decorum were for children. Miss Revy continued, Rising hunger and hardship have devastating consequences for individuals and our communities, damage the nation's health and hold back our economy. In work, as well as people who cannot work, are increasingly being pushed into debt and forced to turn to a food bank to survive. Across the UK, the northeast of England and Wales had the highest levels of food bank usage with one parcel handed out for every 35 residents in both areas. The east of England, meanwhile, had a parcel given out for every 39 people in the region. 
In response, the organisation has called for an essentials guarantee, meaning universal credit should protect people from going without the basics, and for benefits to rise in line with inflation in this year's autumn statement. A spokesperson for the Department for Work and Pensions said, There are 1.7 million fewer people in absolute poverty than in 2010, but we know some families are struggling, which is why we are providing a record support package worth £3,300 per household. This includes the latest cost of living payments paid directly to over 8 million households this year. Our decision to raise benefits by over 10% earlier this year and our 2 billion household support fund which is helping people to buy essentials. They added the government is aiming to get more people into work through investment and increasing the national living wage. The County Council has agreed that a section of the A5183 should be reclassified following the construction of a new section of road that's planned as part of the Strategic Rail Freight Interchange, SRFI. The new section of road would link the A414 North Orbital Road near Knapsbury to the existing A5183 Radlett Road close to the point where it crosses the M25. And it would, say councillors, effectively bypass a section of the existing A5183 which runs through Park Street and Frogmore. On Monday, November the 6th, a meeting of the Council's Cabinet agreed that the existing stretch of road should be reclassified as a C-class road at the appropriate time. Executive Member for Highways and Transport, Councillor Phil Bibby, told the meeting it should divert heavy traffic associated with the S. RFI away from the existing road and he said that use of existing roads would be monitored once the bypass was open when speed limits or weight restrictions could be considered if needed. Our aim is to make sure that the stretch of road is a residential thoroughfare only and not for heavy goods vehicles going to and from the freight terminal he said. It's fair to say that there is a great deal of local concern over the level of traffic that will be generated by the rail freight interchange. But this reclassification will, I hope, alleviate those concerns, given that it is designed to reduce traffic volume through the villages. Work on the design of the new stretch of road, said Councillor Bibby, was ongoing, with construction not due to start until 2024. Executive Member for Resources and Performance, Councillor Bob Deering, welcomed the planned new section of the road. These changes to the road system will amount to a bypass for Park Street, which I'm sure will be very welcome, he said. And the downgrading of the road is very significant. We're going from an A road, not just to a B road, but to a C road. And that is really quite emphatic, and I'm very pleased to see this. And continuing that story. Meanwhile, leader of the council, Councillor Richard Roberts, acknowledged the level of opposition to the plans for the SRFI on the former Radlett Aerodrome site, but said the new stretch of road was one of the potentially huge benefits for residents. 
The rail freight interchange site is not without its controversies, said Councillor Roberts. While it's controversial, some of the upsides and some of the benefits to residents in the area are potentially huge, and this is one of them. To build the bypass around that avoids Frogmore and Park Street is a massive benefit to those living there. And as this becomes a de facto quiet residential road, that will be the kind of mitigation that we were calling for all the way through this process. Councillor Roberts referred to mitigations that will run to potentially about half a billion pounds of investment by Segro and its partner as they develop the rail freight site with its commercial opportunity. A landlord renting out a property without working heating in Kings Langley has been fined. Deborah King of Rucklers Lane, Kings Langley, was initially fined £4,000 for failing to comply with a prohibition order after she failed to attend court in March 2023. King requested a reopening of the case, which the courts approved. The first two hearings were adjourned at the landlord's request. At the third hearing at St Albans Magistrates Court on October the 25th, a further request for adjournment was submitted, but this was turned down. The defendant failed to attend and was found guilty in her absence and ordered to pay a fine of £6,000, costs of £1,784 <clears throat> and a victim surcharge of £184. The total costs came to £7,968. <clears throat> Decorum Borough Council started investigating the property in 2021 after a complaint about an illegal eviction. This is related to a property in Rucklers Lane, the council building, which had been converted into a self-contained unit and was being rented out. The authority discovered that the building did not have planning permission or meet building regulation standards for residential use. The unit had no fixed heating and inadequate insulation, a lack of ventilation, and a number of other hazards meaning it was unsuitable for living in, council officials discovered. A prohibition order was made on the 10th of May 2022, banning the use of the outbuilding for residential use. A warrant was obtained to search the property in July 2022, where officers found that the unit was still being lived in. A brand new electric gritter vehicle made its debut in Hertfordshire during the first gritting run of the season on Friday, November the 10th. In a pilot, the first of its kind in the southeast, the electric gritter made its way from its depot in South Mims for the first time, providing a cleaner, greener and more sustainable way to keep Hertfordshire's road safe as temperatures plunge. A smaller cycle gritter was, was trialled last winter and helped cyclists keep travelling actively over the winter period, was also on the run, alongside a 57-strong fleet of our usual gritters. The fleet will be on standby, ready to keep this county moving across the winter. County Council Highways member Phil Bibby said, We're really excited to be trialling this new electric gritting vehicle. It's really versatile, as it can be used year-round. It comes with three different bodies a winter spreader body, an end tipper for highway maintenance, 
works and a caged body for use in refuse collection and fly tip removal. We've already used it over the summer to help with some of these tasks, but we're looking forward to testing it for the wintry weather that's forecast to head to the UK over the next few weeks. For further information on how to be prepared for wintry weather and on the work of Harvardshire County Council, visit the Council's Winter Advice and Information page at www.harfordshire.gov.uk slash services slash adult hyphen social hyphen services slash news hyphen and hyphen campaigns slash we're hyphen with hyphen you hyphen this hyphen winter dot ASPX. Operation Scepter is in force across Hertfordshire this week in a bid to combat knife crime. Although knife crime remains low in the county compared to other parts of the country, Hertfordshire Constabulary aims to reinforce the message that carrying a knife is illegal and will not keep you safe. The campaign is running from Monday, November the 13th until this Sunday, November the 19th. The constabulary will be searching for knives hidden in public areas, talking to retailers to ensure they are not sold to anyone aged under 18, and educating young people about the dangers of carrying a knife. During the campaign, knives can be surrendered at police stations, including in Hatfield, Stevenage or Watford. There will also be temporary knife bins in locations around the county where they can be disposed of anonymously, and there are permanent surrender bins in Waltham Cross. Community Safety Sergeant Karen Meller, who is leading on the operational activity for Operation Scepter, said, Knife crime remains low in the county, but the Operation Scepter Week of Action are part of our continuing strategy to tackle violent crime. They're a great opportunity to reduce the number of knives in circulation and raise awareness of issues around carrying knives, in particular that carrying a knife in public is illegal and could result in arrest. The Week of Action is also a chance to talk with young people in person and via social media about the dangers of carrying a knife and also remind local businesses that selling certain knives to anyone under 18 is illegal. Around half of shoppers in Britain, 49%, avoid haggling to get a deal on products and services because they find the process too awkward, according to new national research. The survey of 2,000 people commissioned by money.co.uk forward slash savings accounts reveals the overall impact of awkwardness on the nation's personal finances. The study found over a third, 36%, of shoppers admitted to being pressured into buying something they didn't want by a salesperson. Meanwhile, over four in 10 would pay up to 10 pound to avoid potential awkwardness, with the figure skyrocketing to 62% among the youngest age demographic, aged 16 to 24. Manners and finance aren't only confined to spending, according to the survey, with nearly two-thirds saying they wouldn't ask for money back 
that's owed to them if it was under £5. Those who would request repayment would typically wait an average of more than six weeks before asking the question, the research found. Britain's aversion to confrontation extends even further, the research shows, with a third admitting they've been overcharged for a product or service but chose not to complain because they found it too awkward. <clears throat> when it comes to haggling for a deal, the data reveals an interesting regional breakdown. With more than half of people in Leeds, 56%, Plymouth 54%, Newcastle 53%, Liverpool 53% and London 52% refusing to barter for a bargain because they find it too awkward. At the other end of the spectrum, people in Southampton, 36%, are the least likely to avoid haggling for a deal, followed by residents of Brighton, 38%, Edinburgh, 38%, Nottingham, 43%, and Bristol, 43%. Lucinda O'Brien, expert at money.co.uk savings accounts, said, while awkwardness may be perceived as a quirky British trait, our research shows it can also have a significant impact on personal finances. And continuing with that quote, Amid the cost of living crisis, Brits are becoming increasingly savvy spenders, with the latest ONS data. Showing around half, 48% of adults are shopping around more and more to get good prices on products and services. Securing the best deals shouldn't be something we shy away from. With the right information and resources, you can negotiate confidently to get the best price. If you're making regular savings on everyday products and services, you've got more scope to build up your savings, which is increasingly important given the current financial climate. If you haven't already opened a savings account, now is the time. It's quick and easy, and many can be opened for as little as £1. Now, how to haggle top five tips. Research, research, research. It's crucial to research and understand the market value of the product or service you're interested in. This may include looking at similar products or services, reading customer reviews and comparing prices from various sellers or providers. Two, personality matters. Your approach and attitude are vital when haggling, so embark on the negotiation in a friendly and respectful manner. Being polite and courteous can set a positive tone for the conversation. Maintain eye contact, speak clearly and assert your points with confidence. 3. Start low, but not too low. When, negotiating, when initiating the negotiations, begin with an offer that's lower than the maximum price you're willing to pay in order to create room for the negotiation to progress. However, be careful not to get too low with your first offer as this can be seen as disrespectful or insincere. Negotiate. Successful haggling often involves incremental negotiations. After your initial offer, allow the seller to respond with a counter-offer, as this back and forth can lead to a mutually acceptable price. Finally, walk away if you have to. Sometimes the seller may not be willing to meet your desired price, and that's okay. Be prepared to walk away if the deal doesn't align with your expectations or budget. 
Hertfordshire Police has warned residents that a widely used recreational drug is now illegal. The recreational use of nitrous oxide was made illegal last week. The government is making the substance, which is known as laughing gas, a controlled Class C drug under the Misuse of Drugs Act 1971, saying it is often linked to antisocial behaviour. Under the new legislation, anyone found guilty of using it could be jailed for up to two years, while those supplying it for recreational use could be behind bars for up to 14 years. The drug is one of the most commonly used by 16 to 24 year olds and the telltale little silver bullet-shaped containers are often seen littered in local areas. Hearts Police Community Safety Inspector Nicola Dean said, Nitrous oxide is frequently linked to antisocial behaviour within the community and often leaves empty canisters littered across public spaces, including children's play areas. Heavy regular use also poses significant health risks for users, who are predominantly young people and can cause nerve damage, paralysis or asphyxiation. It has been linked to potentially fatal incidents of drug driving. There are many still necessary uses for nitrous oxide and those with a legitimate reason for possessing the substance will be exempt from the ban. Licenses will not be required to carry it but individual users will need to demonstrate that they are lawfully in possession of nitrous oxide and not intending to consume it for its psychoactive effects. The maximum sentence for production, supply, importation or exportation of the drug for unlawful purposes has now doubled from 7 to 14 years imprisonment. Secondary legislation will mean possession of nitrous oxide where a person intends to wrongfully inhale it, for example to get high, will be an offence. Consequences for breaking the new laws could include an unlimited fine, a visible community punishment, a conditional caution which would appear on your criminal record, a community resolution, a prison sentence for repeat serious offenders. For more information, visit the Talk to Frank website, talktofrank.com forward slash drug forward slash nitrous hyphen oxide hash the hyphen risks. A world-class Hemel Hempstead athlete was the special guest at a gymnastics show in Aylesbury. Gym Fusion was held at the Aylesbury Waterside Theatre and gymnasts from across the UK flocked to Bucks for the event. It was designed to promote a series of exciting creative performances from gymnasts of all ages and abilities. UK governing body British Gymnastics organised the event, which allows gymnasts to perform in, in an encouraging, non-competitive environment. This year was the first time British Gymnastics have hosted the event in Aylesbury. Different forms of the sport were showcased at the event, which saw acrobatic, aerobic and team gym performances. In total, 19 clubs took part in two shows, with a total of 23 performances focused on this year's theme, the movies. Ondine Ashampong was this year's high-profile guest. 
the Hemel Hempstead-based athlete recently competed for Great Britain at the World Artistic Championships in Antwerp. She said, It was amazing to be part of Gym Fusion Aylesbury, to see so many gymnasts coming together and having so much fun performing was incredible to see. Gymnastics is definitely a sport for everyone and you can see that Gym Fusion unites whole communities. The performances by all the clubs were so impressive and unique. Everyone should be really proud of what they achieved together. It definitely inspired me. Beth from Loughborough Acro Acrobatics Gymnastics coach, who assisted one of the performing teams, added, as a club, we've attended Gym Fusion events for over a decade and continue to look forward to them each year. The variety of creative performances displayed in Aylesbury were a joy to watch and the team spirit shown by all gymnasts created an amazing atmosphere for the day. Aylesbury's influence on modern gymnastics can be seen with the Gadirova twins, Jessica and Jennifer, who train at Aylesbury Gymna Gymnastic Academy. Both are Olympic medalists, with Jessica also becoming a world champion last year. Her achievements at the World Championships in Liverpool also saw her shortlisted for BBC Sports Personality of the Year for 2022. Now autumn breaks. Around two-fifths, 39%, of adults who are going on holiday in 2023 are planning a getaway in the last three months of the year, according to a survey. The cost of living squeeze may be helping to drive the trend, with nearly half, 48%, of those surveyed saying that they have been priced out of summer holidays. The Research for Credit Score and Personal Finance Insights company Credit Karma found. More than half of the said, 57%, said that they would rather go on holiday off-peak to save money, according to the Opinion Research Survey of 2,000 people across the UK in September. Two-fifths, 41%, would be willing to compromise on the weather at their destination to save. Akanshan Nath, head of partnerships at Credit Karma, said, Holidays are an important time for families and friends to spend quality time together, relax and take time away from the work. However, they have become quite costly and even unaffordable for some. For those grappling with peak season prices, travelling later in the year is a great way to keep costs down and still enjoy holidays while on a budget. Here are some tips from Credit Karma for securing a deal on an autumn break. Try fair comparison websites. Explore alternative airports. Consider broadening your airport search beyond major hubs. Consider nearby cities or even countries when planning your trip. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. Average house prices may be £45,000 higher by 2028. House prices are expected to be around £45,000 higher as market demand and buying power recovers according to a forecast. Here are the average house prices predicted by property advisor Savills by 2028, followed by the increase it predicts compared with the 2023 
house price in cash terms. This is based on average prices in the second-hand property market. Northwest, 241,944, an increase of just over 40,000 pounds. Wales, 239,663, an increase of 42,000. West Midlands, 283,954, an increase of nearly 48,000. London, 577,256, an increase of over 70,000. Southwest, 348,082 pound, an increase of just over 52,000. Scotland, 206,850, an increase of 34,000. Northeast, 186,695, which is an increase of 32,940. Yorkshire and Humber, 230,323, which is an increase of just over 38,000. East Midlands, 266,712, which is an increase of just over 43,000. East of England, 397,060 pounds, which is an increase of 56,830. And Southeast, 423,702, an increase of just over 60,000 pounds. A local woman has taken on a national challenge to swim the length of the English Channel to raise money for charity. Sharon Spencer, age 59, customer service advisor at Berkhamsted Leisure Centre, took on the challenge at the Leisure Centre's pool to raise funds for the charity Aspire, which supports people with spinal cord injury. The aim was to swim the 22 miles of the channel in 12 weeks, which is around 118 lengths per week of a 25-metre pool. Sharon from North Church embarked on the challenge in September with a strong sense of purpose and a desire to make a difference. She said, I wanted to take on a charity challenge before my 60th birthday, and I'm thrilled that I've accomplished it. Turning 60, on November the 28th, Sharon already enjoys casual swimming, walking and spinning and was keen to incorporate physical activity into her challenge. She said, Every four hours someone is paralysed by a spinal cord injury and there is currently no cure. It was a great knowing that I was helping with such a worthwhile cause. Sharon set an initial fundraising target of £200 and exceeded her goal, raising £300. She started the challenge by swimming her first mile in the sea in Croatia, before completing the remainder of the challenge at Berkhamsted Leisure Centre, where she, which is where she had received unwavering support from friends, customers and colleagues. James Tovey, General Manager of Berkhamsted Sports Centre, said, We are immensely proud of Sharon, and her ability to turn a personal challenge into a force for positive change. She really does epitomise our core values of promoting an active and healthy lifestyle and giving back to the community. Aspire works to ensure that from the moment someone sustains a spinal injury, they have the support, advice and services they need to live independently. Find out more at aspire.com channelswim.co.uk slash 
fundraising. Everyone active manages Berkhamsted Leisure Centre, Emil Hempstead Leisure Centre and Jarman Park Athletics Track in partnership with the Coranbara Council. This Week in History November the 16th, 1959 The Sound of Music, a Rogers and Hammerstein music, musical, opened on Broadway. November the 17th, 1882 The Royal Astronomer witnessed an unidentified flying object from the Greenwich Royal Observatory. It was described as a strange celestial visitor, a circular object glowing green. On this day last year, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt revealed his autumn budget with announcements including a rise in the national living wage and help with energy costs extended for all households. November the 18th, 1987. The worst fire in history of the London Underground killed 31 people at King's Cross. On this day last year, Author Catherine Rundell was awarded the Bailey Gifford Prize for non-fiction for her modern biography documenting the many sides of poet, scholar and priest John Donne. November the 19th, 1988. Christina Onassis, daughter of the Greek shipping magnate Aristotle, died from a pulmonary oedema aged just 37. On this day last year, Children in Need 2022 raised more than £35 million following its annual fundraising show. November the 20th, 1944. After five years of blackout, the lights were switched on again in Piccadilly, Strand and Fleet Street. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Jean Wilson aged 87 years. May she rest in peace. And now for what's on. Bally. Swan Lake, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, November the 21st. Crown Bally presents the most famous ballet of all time. Tchaikovsky's classic features some of Bally's most memorable music and breathtaking dance. Expect mystery and romance aplenty. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. Opera. Welsh National Opera. Aina Damar. November the 16th. And La Traviata. November the 18th. Milton Keynes Theatre. Aina Damar, Golihoff's twice Grammy winning opera, promises a dazzling kaleidoscope of music, dance, and theatre, where flamenco meets opera through traditional Spanish singing and sumptuous operatic numbers, all interspersed with rhythmic, sonic and poetic outbursts. Verdi's timeless La Traviata features some of the most evocative arias and melodies, including the instantly recognisable Brindisi, the drinking song, and the beautifully poignant finale, Adio del Passato. Visit atgtickets.com slash Milton Keynes to book. Music. The Big Band at Christmas, Alban Arena, St Albans, November the 20th. Five Star Swing as seen at London's Leicester Square Theatre and BBC Children in Need. 
give the dynamic big band treatment to all those Christmas favourites, from Glenn Miller and Nat King Cole to classic Christmas pop hits. Visit alban-arena.co.uk to book. Comedy. Solve along a murder she wrote. Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, November the 16th. The cult hit event features games, prizes and audience participation and has been rated one of the 50 great nights out by London. In London by Time Out. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Theatre. A Christmas Carol, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, November the 22nd to the 26th. The Old Town Hall's resident company, the award-winning Dyad Productions, now bring their magic to Dickens' classic ghost story. It's Christmas Eve, and the miserly misanthrope Ebenezer Scrooge is about to have a ghostly night he'll never forget. Dickens' festive immortal tale of redemption and compassion is brought to life in Dyad's inimitable solo style. Theatre-goers can draw near for an evening of mistletoe and merriment in the company of Marley, Fezziwig, Cratchit and more to discover the true meaning of Christmas. The piece is performed by Andrew Margeson and directed by Rebecca Vaughan. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Movie of the Week Into the Woods, made in 2014, on Saturday, BBC Two at 10am. In this big screen version of Stephen Sondheim's fairy tale musical, the baker, James Corden, and his wife, Emily Blunt, yearn for a child but cannot conceive. The witch, Meryl Streep, next door, promises the couple a family if they bring her four objects. A cow as white as milk, a cape as red as blood, hair as yellow as corn, and a slipper as pure as gold. The baker and his wife head into the woods with six magic beans and encounter characters including Jack, Daniel Huddleston, Cinderella, Anna Kendrick, and Little Red Riding Hood, Lilla Crawford. A combination of light comedy and heart-rending tragedy. Riverside Shopping Centre is set to turn into a winter wonderland for a free day of family fun on Saturday, November the 18th. Shoppers are invited to stop by to enjoy a variety of free attractions at the centre on their Christmas shopping. Visit to Hemel Hempstead ahead of the light switch on and fireworks in the town centre at 5pm. Alongside the range of high street retailer favourites and eateries will be a giant snow globe for families to enjoy. Step into the snow and pose for a free photo to take home on this truly unique experience from 11am to 3pm. There will also be the famous land train present to take visitors on a fun ride up and down the high street to get the Christmas spirit well and truly flowing from 11am to 4pm. There will also be a free face painting to enjoy to transform little ones into a festive reindeer snow fairy or whatever their hearts desire. Phil Stiff, centre manager at Riverside Shopping Centre said, 
We are so excited for Hemel Hempstead to turn into the ultimate festive day out ahead of its light switch on on Saturday 18th November. Here at Riverside Shopping Centre we will be bringing the magic with our fantastic giant snow globe and land train alongside face painting of course. We can't wait to see you there and hope to welcome you. <clears throat> now back to information and sport. It goes without saying that sports fans love live action, but a good sporting documentary is also high on the list of must-watch TV for the die-hard sporting watcher. Here we look at the current crop of most popular sporting docu-series gracing our screens and place them based on viewer votes. The release of the highly popular Netflix four-part Beckham docu-series has seen the superstar soccer player David Beckham in the headlines. Jeff Bett has analysed data from IMDB to reveal the most popular sports docuseries of all time and reveal a list of the top watches based on the number of user-generated votes. Number one, The Last Dance, 142,850 votes. The Last Dance is a 2020 10-part docu-series co-produced by ESPN Films and Netflix, revolving around the career of Michael Jordan and the legendary NBA team Chicago Bulls, who won six NBA championships and two three-peats. Number two, Formula One Drive to Survive. 47,584 votes. Formula One Drive to Survive placed second as the most popular docuseries. The first series was released in March 2019, co-produced by Formula One and Netflix, with great behind-the-scenes footage and much more. 3. Welcome to Wrexham, 16,339 votes. Welcome to Wrexham is based on what started as a non-league football team in Wales, being brought by Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Number four, Untold, Malice at the Palace, 9,664 votes. A 2021 Netflix documentary from the Untold series that examines the infamous 2004 NBA brawl between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons. Five, Sunderland Till I Die, 8,904 votes. The docuseries follows Sunderland Football Club through the season. Six, Class of 92, 8,724 votes. The Class of 92 throws back to Manchester's United football dynasty it follows six players, including the likes of David Beckham and Paul Scholes. Seven, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, 7,582 votes. Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, placed seventh and is sixth in the part of, of the Untold series. Eight, All or Nothing, Manchester City. 7,470 votes, offering a behind-the-scenes view of English football club Manchester City during the 2017-2018 season. Ninth, 
Last Chance You, 7,338 votes. Released in 2016, Last Chance You is a well-received sports documentary series on Netflix, centering on the experiences of junior college American football players and programs in the United States. 10th, Cheer, 6,717 votes. Cheer is a 2020 Netflix documentary series offering an inside view of the competitive cheerleading team of Navarro College in Texas. A spokesman from Jeff Bett said, sports docuseries have surged in popularity over recent years. Montel McKenzie struck a 90th minute winner to ensure Hemel Hempstead Town overcame visitors Taunton Town on Saturday. McKenzie fired home from close range after the defence had failed to clear effectively, the fullback lifting his finish over the players on the line and into the roof of the net. It put Hemel 12th in the table going into the midweek games, which didn't feature the Tudors. Their next game is at home to Walsall Wood in the FA Trophy on Saturday. Berkhamsted were again narrowly defeated at home, going down to a second-half goal from AFC Telford's Jared Hodgkiss, who has played in the Premier League for West Bromwich Albion. Hodgkiss netted with a shot just inside the far post for the only goal of the game in the 75th minute, and despite Burko creating openings throughout and trying so hard for the equaliser, it just would not come, so they stay in the relegation zone. On Saturday, Burko are again on the road to the West Midlands, this time visiting mid-table Hales Owen Town, as the comrades search for points in their bid to avoid relegation. On Sunday afternoon, Berkhamsted ladies won 3-1 at home to Wooten Blue Cross. This Sunday afternoon, they are at home again to Everett ladies in another league match. Burko's under-18 side get back to league action entertaining Kings Langley on Monday the 13th and then go to Dunstable Town in the League Cup on Thursday the 23rd. Hemel Storm overcame Division 2 challengers Teesside Lions on Sunday night to prolong their defence of the National Cup and move into the fifth round of the competition. Despite a strong start, the Lions slowly faded away throughout the night as Storm became comfortable and began to put on a show in front of the expectant Storm crowd. The Northern visitors showed no signs of jaded legs after the long trip from Teesside, racing out of the blocks and exposing insecurities in the Storm defence, who continuously failed to guard the perimeter effectively and gave up offensive rebounds to allow frustrating second-chance points. The Lions hit six first-quarter triples, showing their intent to cause a cup upset, and Storm were grateful for Braden Inger's 12 early points to limit the deficit to eight at the first break, 23-31 to the guests. Storm slowly grew into the tie, with the help from Matt Dissou and Hakim Sila. Back-to-back Tez Allen and Braden Inger threes, followed by five late points from Jack Burnell, eased Storm to a 10-point half-time lead. Mark Clark demanded more from his side and they eventually put together an inspired display to start the new period. Bunnell again hit from long range to contribute to his total for, of 12 for the match 
and despite the lion's best efforts, Storm's superior quality began to show, with the lead extended to 23 after a layup from Greg Durand. Teesside continued to battle with Storm's lead, held out at 19, heading into the last period. It was time for the players to impress their coach and add some fire to the fans' Sunday evening. Sam Newman hit five early points before the chaos began to unfold, with Silla slamming home to add to his impressive tally of 22 points, combined with 11 rebounds to give him another double-double to put on his personal record. Then, explosive guard Disu provided the fireworks on Diwali night, with back-to-back dunks, including an astonishing climb and finish to set the crowd alight. However, for Storm, the offensive flames were stoked by a superb defensive display where they afforded their guests a staggering zero final quarter to win the last period 28-0. And the final three quarters were taken by Storm by a total of 55 points, 80-25. to We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 07.25 and 16.08. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Gary, your technician for this week. Goodbye.